0: Hi, my name is Peter Maestri, and you're listening to Divorce, the first six months. If you're someone who's about to go through a divorce, or maybe you're just healing from one, then you're in the right place. This conversation and the stories that you're going to listen to focus on people that have been through a divorce, but more importantly, how they navigated through it. Having said that, let's get right into it. My father had passed away, and I had three-year-old twins. When you have children, and in the state of Colorado, where I live, the thought of only seeing your kids 50% of the time is not, you know, that appealing for many people. And so, and, and then also of course there's the, what you, the denial and the convincing of yourself that maybe if I just try a little harder, maybe if I just work a little harder on the, on myself and on the marriage, um, a lot of a lot of uh, the control in mani- the manipulation for us had to do around money and so I, I convinced myself that like if I made more money or um, I mean I was already making six figures and so so there was just a lot of it um, in in the year leading up to when we split up so basically from April 2018 until March of 2019 there were multiple instances where there was some sort of massive blow up or a huge fight or an insurmountable disagreement that we felt like we couldn't ever get past. I had actually started working with a relationship coach in November of 2018, right? So these are like the last few months kind of leading up to it. So looking back, you know, I could easily see the writing on the wall, but it's like until there's the moment that you declare it, you're not getting divorced. You're just married and it's not going well or you're working on things or you're in a soggy soup you're in the soggy soup like you're in the inquiry or whatever and so there was something that happened related to money my husband came to me and you know confronted me about it and in the moment that he said that i said our marriage is going to end over this not that like that everything was fine and then that one thing happened, but it was like, oh, this is gonna be the thing that we fall on the sword for. And so over the next um, week, we separated within the parameters of our house. He moved into the basement. You know, there was almost no interaction, no talking to each other. And for some logistical reasons, we had some family that were visiting that week and whatever it was a full seven days before we could actually sit down and and actually have like the conversation. And during that week I was talking a lot to friends and coaches and you know, all of my people. And I read this book that could be helpful for people who are contemplating divorce. And I think it's called, let me see if I get this right. I always, I always mess it up. It's called too good to leave too bad to stay and too good to leave too bad too good to leave too bad to stay got it and i after the first chapter it was glaringly clear to me it i mean it was just a no-brainer decision so then that following sunday so then you know seven days after this thing that happened um, we sat down and had a very calm conversation. And he was explaining to me how he saw our life moving forward. And I said, well, it sounds to me like you want to end our marriage. And he said, yes, I do. And I said, good, because that's what I want to. And so I'm kind of glad that I ended up having those that sort of weak Um, obviously this had been something I'd been thinking about for four years. Like I said, you know, in that moment that something had happened the the week earlier, I thought that this is going to be the thing. What happened specifically was that, you know, I had started this coaching business and I had been doing management consulting for years before that making six figures. So my income was a lot less and I had um, about $9,000 in unpaid credit card bills. And I had mentioned to my husband, sort of casually in the kitchen one night a week earlier, he wanted to buy a timeshare. And I said, can we hold off on buying any like kind of timeshare right now because I still have some unpaid credit card bills. And he either didn't hear it or didn't want to or whatever. And he then discovered these credit card bills. And that was the moment, that was like the moment. And he came to me and he said, amongst a whole bunch of other, you know, shaming and whatever, this is a worse betrayal than if you had cheated on me. And at the time I was like, oh God, like enough with the drama. You know, it's $9,000. I can make that in my sleep. It's just like this is obviously a symptom of like a much bigger problem. And I said to him in that conversation, I said, yeah, I get what you're saying, but when are we going to talk about the real problems? He's like, well, I don't want to deal with any of that. And so I, I, at first I was really offended and like, how dare he say that like me having $9,000, but most of which by the way, were business expenses in this new business that I was building. Um, And, and, paying for family stuff like groceries and gas, you know, like, how dare he insinuate that this is, this is like as egregious as infidelity. But then the thing that I realized was a couple of things. One was that, and you know, this comes back to taking like the ultimate responsibility for everything is that I realized for him from his perspective, right? From his point of view, like the like money to him. And that was the thing that he used to manipulate and control the shit out of me for all of those years. That was for him worse than if I had cheated on him. And when I realized that, that led to the next realization, which was that I was like, oh, I actually did this accidentally on purpose, meaning that I don't know that I would have ever had the balls to actually end the marriage. So I did something that I knew, like, I don't know that I ever would have called the game. Like on a subconscious level. you. Like on a subconscious level. So I was like, what's the thing that I know, right? Like people do this all the time in marriages. They do something to get themselves out of it because they can't bear to actually just like face the music and deal with it. So that's why people do have affairs. That's why people do things with money or whatever. And so I realized I was like, oh, I actually did this accidentally on purpose because I don't know that I would have ever obviously I've been thinking about it for four years and I hadn't done it. I haven't done it. The only reason I ever did it in that moment is because I got caught. And then he did it. Why do people stay? Yeah, why do people stay? Yeah. And You know, I think it's different for a lot of people. Certainly, probably the single biggest reason people will tell you is because of the kids. And I am here to tell you that I get why there is that consideration. But your kids actually want you to be happy. And, you know, I've got got eight-year-old twin girls. They were seven when we split up. And in the year or two leading up to when we split up, I kept having this thought, and I actually even said this to my husband a couple of times. I said, how would you feel if one of the girls was married to somebody who treats them the way that you treat me? And I just realized that I would actually be a bad mom if I stayed, because I felt like I would be teaching them that this is an acceptable way that a woman is treated by her husband. Thank you once again for giving us your time. This started because someone challenged me to be vulnerable. So I'm gonna challenge you right now. If it made a difference, reach out and tell somebody. It really does make a difference.